0: Let's not normalize smelly dogs. All right, so I've said it before. I'll say it again. Dogs are not supposed to be gross. They're not. You know, you go to the dog park and um, you see dogs pooping large, nasty cow pies. Uh, they have terrible breath and terrible dental health. But what I want to focus on today is what we see a lot: is dogs with greasy, oily skin. Um, and, and coats and essentially they're they're yeasty beasts, right? So they have the Frito smelling paws, gunky ears, oily skin and fur, um, rust colored paws and, and that rusty, um, slimy eye discharge, etc. So I, I kinda wanna talk about, you know, what what is yeast, why it's happening, um, and what we can what we can do to combat it.
1: Stay tuned until the end of the episode where Anthony answers a customer's question.
2: This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at lifetimepetwellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100.
0: So yeah, so what is yeast? So yeast is a spore-like fungi that actually reproduces by a process called budding. This is where the, the, cells, the cell body can break off to form a whole other yeast organism. So it can, it can flourish pretty easily. Now, yeast, you know, it exists, you know it's a normal inhabitant of of your dog's microbiome of our microbiome. it's it's in all of our guts. Um, but when the yeast begins to reproduce uncontrollably, when it really starts to proliferate, then we have ourselves a problem. We have we have ourselves a yeast infection. And once this starts happening, yeast is opportunistic. so it'll begin to colonize other parts of the body um, in higher numbers. So, Once you usually don't see it in just one spot You'll usually see it in the eyes and the ears and the paws uh, The base of the tail You know areas with you know high moisture High heat areas Yeast affects pets that are How do I say this just not healthy Pets that have some kind of dysbiosis so they might look healthy to you They might seem healthy to you but there is a imbalance that's that's happening and this imbalances this imbalance in their immune system, meaning that their immune system's not being able to control the yeast growth. Um, yeast infections are quite common on pets that are currently on or have been on antibiotics. Um, and why this is is, you know, yeast is a it's a fungus, so it's not a bacteria. So when dogs are put on antibiotics, the antibiotics will wipe out all the bacteria. It doesn't, they don't discriminate the good, the bad. It wipes out everything but it doesn't affect the yeast. And so now the yeast just kind of looks around in the gut, and the microbiome, and it's like, wow, I have all this room to just do whatever I want and proliferate. That's why it's really important to, it's kind of a side note here, but that's why it's really important to have your dogs on some really good beneficial bugs, um, probiotics, prebiotics, when they're going through and after they're done with their antibiotics. Yeast will also affect pets that are immunosuppressed. So pets that have been, you know, immunoglobulin deficient since birth, and there's there's blood tests to show this. So you'll see some pets that will, no matter what you do, they're just yeasty beasts year round. Um, and that's when it's time to do a blood test to see if they're deficient. But that's not what we're focused on today. We're focused on the the more common, you know, I'd say most, an overwhelming, an overwhelming number of dogs who are combating yeast are just, it's, it's usually, a, well, it's usually a problem with the diet. Pets that are also on steroids or going through chemo obviously have suppressed immune systems and this can, this can proliferate the, or let the, the yeast proliferate as well. Dr. Karen Becker often talks, So if you don't know Dr. Karen Becker, she's, you know, she's a really, really, I think she's the most followed veterinarian in the world right now. But she talks about this a lot, yeast. and about how most of her patients that she sees for yeast are allergy dogs. So there's their immune system is overreactive, right? so it's it's overreacting to things in its environment. So the vets put them on immunosuppressant drugs, you know so to to suppress the immune system. so it's not overreactive, right? So drugs like Apoquil or cytopoint steroids like prednisone or cortisone. these drugs then inhibit the body's immune response all right and and it's 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 ability to to manage the microbiome and the the floral the bacterial levels in the body so this in turn can create a secondary bacterial infection right because now the immune system is suppressed so we start seeing bacterial infections in which antibiotics are now prescribed right because now there's a bacterial infection so let's let's give the dog some some antibiotics and then like i kind of talked about before but I'll talk about it again. So when you give the dog antibiotics, you're giving them, you know, these drugs that will kill both the good and the bad bacteria, um, leaving the yeast, which is a fungus, is not affected by the antibiotics to proliferate, leading to a yeast overgrowth. So as always, my when I'm in the shop and people are like, we talk about yeast, I always ask the customer if, if the dog is, you know, recently or currently on any kind of antibiotics for this reason symptoms that usually you'll see with yeast you know you'll see this this kind of rust color irritation you know in the toes between the paws um armpits folds of the skin the ears the eyes you know are the base of the tail those are usually the areas it can range from a mild discomfort to a really really terrible discomfort incredibly you know itchy dogs um, at the sites of infection so bad that, you know, the dog is actually causing, you know, abrasions at those infection sites. There is a definitely a distinct odor when it comes to yeast infections. So musty, people always say like a, like a corn, like a Frito chip kind of smell to it. Usually like if you, I can smell it on dogs pretty easily. If you can smell their paws, like in their ears, it's a, it's a you'll know when you smell it. It's not, it's not a, it's not a good smell. You also see like a rust color around there. Like I said, their paws and their ears, eyes, mouth, pits, their backside. And this is just yeast pushing itself out. So again, the yeast is proliferating in the gut and it's just pushing itself out. Um, and and when the yeast is exposed to air, it oxidizes, right? And it turns that rust color. So really easy to see like on, on white dogs. Like a lot of times you'll see Bichons with these like these rust stains on their, around their eyes. And most of that can be can be healed with just feeding a better food, which I'll talk about, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So also the itch can be really intense. So it can be so intense that it become, you know, irritable, make make the pet irritable and possibly aggressive. So there's also, you know, behavioral issues that um, will accompany yeast infection. And again, it usually occurs in more than one spot. It usually starts out one spot, but it proliferates pretty quickly. I'll say it this way you will not be able to even manage, yet alone get rid of the yeast infection without addressing the diet first. And that's predominantly what I'm going to talk about today because it's the biggest factor when we're trying to, um, when, when it comes to yeast infections, but also when we're trying to combat yeast. What you're feeding is either helping your dog combat yeast or it's exasperating it. Uh, Dr. Karen Becker, actually, she's got a really funny quote about yeast infections and in diets, or at least I think it's kind of funny. But she, she says, if you have a dog that has yeast, I recommend an anti-yeast diet, which is also called an anti-inflammatory diet, which is also called a species appropriate diet. So I just, I like how she walks us through that. But so what she means is that the yeast feeds on sugar. So carbohydrates, as we know, convert to sugar in the body and directly feeds yeast. So remember, kibble is anywhere from 40 to 60% carbohydrates. I think Hills actually has a diet out there for, for believe it or not for allergies that's I think like 57% uh carbohydrates. So imagine all that converting to sugar. So you're feeding a diet that's over 50% sugar. Also please remember that dogs and cats have no dietary requirement for carbohydrates. This is stated in the Small Animal Clinical Nutrition Volume 5, so the the textbook that vets use on nutrition. So this means that, you know, they're eating a diet that's 40 to 60% of something they don't need which is obviously it's just it's a bunch of bullshit that they're putting into food and this will cause issues that you will pay for uh that you otherwise would not have had to pay for if you were feeding a species-appropriate raw food diet um so this is definitely something to think about when when analyzing cost uh to feed your pet i always say this you you know there's a lot of people i see this all the time they they have no problem paying for you know ApoQuil daily um, you know knocking their pet out twice a year to get their teeth cleaned um, All these prescri- all these prescription drugs and these uh, vet appointments When all they really had to do Was spend a little extra money on the food They would have saved themselves a lot of money in the long run on vet bills And this is you know when it comes to yeast this is a perfect example So again yeast feeds on sugar So we need to remove all carbohydrates from these, these yeasty dogs diets to So essentially what we're doing is starving the yeast out, okay? Also remember that, you know, people will listen to this, and they'll think, okay, so I'll go to a grain-free kibble. Um, Grain-free kibble is is still carbohydrates. So they're just replacing grain for a bean or legume, which is arguably, I don't want to say it's arguably worse, um, but it's not any better than feeding grains. And there's also the misconception, there's the whole grain-grain-free debate, which is at the end of the day, you're, you're just feeding terrible food. you're feeding the wrong food anyways we don't want either we don't want grains and we don't want peas and legumes and and beans and all that other filler. But the important thing here is that all that stuff converts the sugar in the body and is feeding the yeast so you, we can't we can't improve the yeast problem if we're going to continuously feed it. This is where I always recommend feeding a, a prey model raw diet so you know just meat bone and organ um, keeping it really simple. I do this pretty frequently with my dogs just to, I don't know, just to keep them in check.
1: Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food.
0: Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high quality USDA inspected free range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk.
1: We know that what you choose to feed your pet is just as important as what you choose to feed yourself, which is why Steve's Real Food is formulated for optimal health that exceeds AFCO minimums.
0: Steve's is not only great for your pet, but great for the environment. Your pet's food is manufactured by using hydroelectric power and sold to you in a fully recyclable package.
1: Be sure to take advantage of the frequent buyer club. Buy 12 bags of Steve's Real Food. Get one free.
0: See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes. But fixing the diet is the most important battle in the war against yeast. I can't I can't stress this enough. You can use all the supplements, do all the rinses and the baths that you want, but if you don't fix the diet, you will not get anywhere. And I've seen this time and time again. At the shop, for example, we're gonna talk about this, but I have a, the Yeasty Beast protocol by Adored Beast. But if your dog is on kibble, I won't even sell it to you because it's. I don't wanna waste your money. And it's not that I'm trying to sell you on raw food. I mean, I, I am trying to sell you on raw food because I want what's best for your dog, but it's not that I'm trying to make more money. I'm just trying to, I want your dog to feel better. And I don't want you to waste your money on a, on a product that's not going to work if you're, if you're feeding kibble, because you're just, you're, you're feeding the yeast. And so you can try to combat it with supplements and things, but it's, it's just not going to work. I've never, I've never seen that work. With, with raw food diets, you're also be helping to keep the floral levels balanced in the gut um so diversity is is key here so you're creating a really you know everyone's afraid of bacteria these days but you know raw food has has all the awesome we need bacteria we're mostly predominantly bacteria so to say you know you don't want to be eating sterile foods that's not real food that's a whole different topic but you know raw diets have all this healthy beneficial bacteria in there and it creates a really competitive environment um, which then in turn doesn't allow for the yeast to proliferate okay, in the gut. So while on, on the second front, we're starving the yeast. So not only are we starving the yeast out, but we're competing against it with some really health, healthy bacteria. So it's really key. Adding garlic and thyme are also some other good supplements to add to a raw food diet when you're combating yeast. They're just natural antifungals to the diet. Um, I know there's some people still afraid to feed garlic because of some preposterous study they did in Japan where they're feeding a dog like 10 cloves of garlic per pound and found that there was slight toxicity in the dog's body. But I'm not, I'm not recommending feeding that much of anything to your dog. Um, That's it doesn't, I mean, I don't even know why they did that study in the first place, except it just kind of ruined. A lot of dogs are missing out on some, some good nutrients for them because pet parents are afraid to feed garlic to their dogs. But I do this pretty pretty frequently. Fresh garlic, I just chop it up and put it right in their food. And a lot of raw diets, like commercially prepared raw diets, actually have garlic in it already. So it's also a good natural flea and tick preventative. Apple cider vinegar is another good thing to add to the food that will help combat yeast. I will recommend feeding cooling proteins. So like proteins like duck, rabbit, pork, even turkey, because most of the time when we're talking about a yeasty beast, um, a yeasty pet, they're usually considered warm and damp. In a warm and damp state so you know we want to use these proteins to kind of help counterbalance that that heat topically like i was I kind of touched on touched on before yeast loves moist pits of the body It's gross as that sounds so these areas have to be disinfected and you know you could ask me how many times a day it's just as many times a day as it takes you know which hazel is a really good just natural um you know disinfectant but uh, before applying anything topical you have to disinfect the area you cannot apply topical cream you know to a site that's infected and hasn't been disinfected first so again addressing the diet and doing at least you know two to four medicated baths a week is the ideal method for combating yeast and again when we're, when we're talking about medicated baths I would stay away from oatmeal based shampoos since we know that grains and carbs feed yeast so just something to think about. I know those are really popular, um, but definitely stay away from those when, when we're specifically talking about yeast, addressing the diet using the adored beast, see yeasty, yeasty beast protocol, which we'll put in the, the show notes here, um, we'll put a link to the, the website. So if you actually scroll down all the way to the bottom, Julianne Lee has a really awesome video on her protocol and yeast in general. She does some really great videos on on her website her specialty is the gut but also the skin the whole microbiome is really her specialty so um but they the yeasty beast protocol is a really cool they've developed a really cool battle plan for combating yeast and specifically to prevent die off because that's that's when we start killing the yeast off it's arguably worse than the yeast symptoms themselves because they release when they're when the and the yeast is dying they release these toxins like such as acetone which can be extremely detrimental toxic and, and irritating for the animal so the itch could get even worse so they have a really awesome protocol that kind of helps the die off kills the yeast slowly slowly but surely while also detoxifying your pet and making sure that 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 die off isn't isn't making your pet feel worse so Julian Lee's really, really about not letting the animal suffer. So she's, um, she's really keen on this. And it's, I've seen that help a lot of yeasty dogs. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great, it's, I think there's like three or four products in the kit in the protocol. So you're kind of using them at different times, but I couldn't recommend it enough. But again, I'm not going to recommend this product if you're feeding kibble, because it just, you're not, you're not addressing the main cause uh, just to kind of reiterate when we're talking about. You know, solution the what I would call a protocol for for a yeasty dog is first and foremost you have to address the diet. You have to go to a prey model raw food to starve out the yeast. So I would do. You know, we had to cut the carbohydrates out. So Steve's real food. They have a uh, they do a prey model raw food, which is awesome. So um, we carry it in a shop. If you're a customer of ours, you can always ask me to order it too because I don't always I don't. I don't carry it as much as I do just a regular barf model, but, um, I would, I can definitely order it for you. I do order a couple boxes a week. We have some customers that their dogs just do really well on the prey model. So we try to keep it in stock, but so Steve's has it answers, has a a straight formula, which is really awesome that you could use as well. Um, so addressing the diet, making sure you're feeding a, a fresh food, a species appropriate raw diet. And, and really eliminating as many carbohydrates as you can. I would say eliminate all carbohydrates. If you wanted to, you know, I guess you could keep in some, some lower glycemic or some fermented vegetables would be okay. But addressing the diet is first and foremost. The second thing is medicated baths. So you wanna do that about two to four times a week. And then the third thing is the adored beast, yeasty beast protocol. And then you wanna follow up with their leaky gut protocol. And this, you want to do this to ensure their gut and it's in their microbiome or in a, in a homeostasis or, or balance so that so it doesn't occur again. And, you know, to make sure we're getting a proper detox. I know there's a lot of struggling. This is a really common problem. You know, yeast is a root. We see this all the time. Some people don't even know their dogs or cats have a yeast problem. Like they bring their pets in and I can, I can feel it. My hands, I pet their dog and I have like a grease film on my hands. The dog smells like i can smell it people get accustomed to it um and they think it's normal but it's not it's not normal and so sometimes it's a it's it can be kind of a hard conversation but fortunately there's some really awesome things that easy things that we can do such as change the diet that will not only you know help combat the yeast but also help combat a whole lot of of other issues that are that are happening as well so Anyways, I hope this was beneficial. I hope it was helpful for those who are combating or dogs or cats are combating yeast. And again, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on a website or Instagram, Facebook, or call the shop. We're always available.
2: We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at lifetimepetwellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us.
0: All right, so a question I had from a customer was, when should I start my puppy on raw food? Which I know we've we've spoke about before, but man is it it's a really really important question because I hear it all the time like I'm gonna wait till like a year and then I gonna start my puppy on raw food. And I'm like, but that's it's that's backwards thinking because if you if you look at the research and look at the data that's coming out now, it is like I'm talking feeding real whole fresh raw food in the first like two to three months is actually is crucial in, in helping them. To alleviate developing allergies later on in life, you know, for example, we're getting a puppy here tomorrow, actually, and um, The first thing I'm doing is, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even going to feed her raw, I'm sorry, I'm not even going to feed her kibble She's going straight to raw food, um, and she's going to get as much variety as possible um, You know, we're feeding, you know, Steve's, or feeding Answers, Northwest Naturals, Small Batch, we're um, And, you know, give her goat milk and cow kefir and bone broth and um, blueberries and strawberries. You know, a lot of our stuff that we're eating, she's going to get a a smorgasbord of of food. So, you know, I, I think it's really important to to start your dog. I mean, if you think about it, like these are the these are the really crucial stages of development. Like they're, you know, these, you know, young animals with these immune systems and everything is developing right now. And to give them ultra processed you know pellets of carbohydrates with with synthetic nutrients sprayed on top vitamins minerals things like that sprayed on top is is obviously not the best option for them i mean that's pretty it's abundantly clear at this point so my my argument is always you know it's it's the the sooner the better you can get some real food into your puppy So I guess to answer your question, when should I start my puppy on raw food? You can start your puppy on raw food as soon as they are weaned off their mother's milk. So usually by the time you pick them up from the breeder or from the Humane Society or Rescue, you can start them on raw food and you should start them on raw food. So I hope that answers that question.
1: So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets.
0: The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.